Welcome back to United We Stand podcast, a podcast about why we are more united as Americans than we are divided. Today, we're going to take a look at William Jennings Bryan, the Cross of Gold speech, which was delivered at the Democratic National Convention in Chicago on July 9th, 1896. And to be honest, this is the speech that sparked the idea for this entire podcast. It is a speech that I've heard mentioned many, many times. It's it's talked about in probably every biography or political book that talks about this period in time. And so I've heard it many times, like I've heard about the speech many times, but I've never really heard the speech before. And it sparked the idea of diving into some of these famous, well-known speeches that maybe nobody's ever read aloud. And this is the speech that gave me the idea for this podcast. So let's dive in. The Cross of Gold speech, again, July of 1896. Brian was speaking at the National Convention, and actually this speech is what propelled him to be the Democratic presidential nominee. At the time, he argued against the gold standard, which was the dominant monetary policy of the era. He was a free silver person, a.k.a bimetallism, which Brian believed would bring the nation prosperity because it would be a system where both gold and silver would be used as a standard for currency, and it would therefore help struggling farmers and laborers. What does that mean to any of us? Well, at the time, the United States printed dollars based on the gold standard, and what that meant practically was that every one ounce of gold was valued at $20.67. That was a fixed dollar amount. And so the government would only print money equal to the amount of gold that they had in their vault. Think of all those movies you've seen where Fort Knox is going to get, you know, heisted because of all the gold there. That's that's what the government was doing. They were, were buying gold and then they were printing money equal to the amount of gold that they had. So what that meant was that it was effectively limiting how many dollars could be made. And how could you think about this? Well, you could think of it like a Taylor Swift concert and how many tickets are available. Well, everybody wants a ticket, but you can't necessarily get them. And that was like U.S. dollars at the time because of the gold standard. Why was the U.S. doing this? It was because making the dollar fixed to a set amount of gold was great for international trade because other countries like the United Kingdom, for example, was also on a currency that was pegged to the gold standard. So in other words, it made international trade much easier. But what it did internally was made it a lot harder for Americans to get dollars. At the time that Brian delivered this speech, some stuff happening that sort of propelled him or caused him to make the speech included the Panic of 1893, which was a severe economic depression that began in 1893 and lasted until 1897, and it led to bank failures, it led to high unemployment rates, it led to business closures, and many Americans, particularly farmers and the working class, faced just tons of financial hardship. Because of that, everybody sort of anybody feeling this pinch, which was really the whole country, were looking for ways to alleviate it. Adopting monetary policy based on bimetallism, aka free silver, was one of the ways to do this, because then if the dollar was pegged to gold and silver, you could buy an ounce of gold for $20 and 67 cents, or you could buy, I don't know how much silver, uh, I don't know what that dollar amount was at the time, but it would allow you to buy, the government could buy silver and print more money based on the silver it held, and not just exclusively the gold. There was also, uh, at the time, a populist movement going on. The Populist Party, also known as the People's Party, emerged during this time as a response to the economic hardships faced by the farmers and the working class, and they advocated for various reforms, including free silver, to address the inequality and provide relief. The 
populist movement would never win the presidency, but they would win some congressional seats and they would have a major influence on national policy. One of the people that they helped propel to the presidency was Theodore Roosevelt, although he was elected under the Republican ticket. So they did influence American public policy, American government. And by the mid-1930s, America went away from the gold standard. And then or the other two things that were of note was the agricultural crisis. Farmers were facing falling crop prices, a lot of debt. They were not able to get access to credit because of the gold standards effects on the monetary policy, essentially causing deflation. They were struggling to make ends meet and they sought changes in the system to help them because they, they literally were not able to grow food. And obviously when your food or your housing get impacted, like it's going to move you to action. And then finally, the, the political divisions of the time were another factor. The gold standard debate created divisions within the Democratic Party, some members supporting the gold standard and others like Brian pushing for the free silver platform. And it was really in uh, 1896 that this came to a head. And at that point, the Democrats elected Brian to be their candidate. So that was the context around Brian giving this speech and why this is remembered, because it was a it was a point in time that the system felt very unstable and possibly was going to change very drastically. Given what we have just seen about the times and how it was affecting the country, it gives us a little more of a background of why Brian was moved to make this speech and why it was received so well. In his speech, Brian claimed that the gold standard was disproportionately benefiting the wealthy and the powerful at the expense of the working class because dollars were expensive and there weren't a lot of them. And you still needed money to pay the rent on your farmland, on your apartment, to buy the goods and supplies that you needed. And it was creating hardships for many Americans. So in Brian's own words, he says, but in this contest, brother has been arrayed against brother and father against son. When you come before us and tell us that we shall disturb your business interests, we reply that you have disturbed our business interests by your actions. We say to you that you have made too limited in its application the definition of a businessman. The man who is employed for wages is as much a businessman as his employer. The attorney in a country town is as much a businessman as the corporation council in a great metropolis. The merchant at the crossroads store is as much a businessman as the merchant of New York. The farmer who goes forth in the morning and toils all day begins in the spring and toils all summer and by the application of his brain and muscle to the natural resources of this country creates wealth, is as much a businessman as the man who goes upon the board of trade and bets upon the price of grain. The miners who go a thousand feet into the earth or climb two thousand feet upon the cliffs and bring forth from their hiding places the precious metals to be poured in the channels of trade are as much businessmen as the few financial magnates who in the backroom corner the money of the world. Again, that is about 150 years old. And so it sounds a little antiquated to modern listeners. But basically, Brian is saying that the business people who live in the rural areas, Brian was a representative from Nebraska, are as much business people as those on the tallest buildings on the East Coast. You know, New York as the financial capital then, as it is now. He's saying that the business people of 
the West are as much part of this country as the rich folks who were making monetary decision. And he is sort of drawing similarities between the farmer and the banker, the coal miner and the stockbroker, etc, etc, to help people understand that we should really be supporting supporting all of the people in this country. And at the time, supporting them would mean making it easier to get cash or capital, right? By adding silver to the mix. As a side note, we are no longer on the gold standard that ended in the 70s under President Richard Nixon, but we were on the gold standard until that time officially. However, the gold standard unofficially ended in the 1930s to help combat the Great Depression. So how do we think about this today? That if they added more money, it would be like Taylor Swift, back to our <laughs> earlier analogy, adding another concert, adding another show at each of the cities. So there would be more tickets available so that more people could go and see it and the supply would be less constrained. So just using that as an analogy to help make it easier to understand what Brian was saying when he was talking to the folks at the Democratic National Convention way back when. Brian continued, we do not come as aggressors. We are fighting in the defense of our homes, our families, our posterity. We have petitioned and our petitions have been scorned. We have entreated and our entreaties have been disregarded. We have begged and they have mocked when our calamity came. Brian's making the point that they have been, they being the sort of the common folks or the less wealthy, the working class have been asking for the free silver or the bimetallism standard to create more dollars, like literally more cash dollars to make it easier to get the things that they need in their hometowns, wherever they live. And it has continued to not, at the time, it had continued not to make any policy change, which is why Brian had said that. Brian continued to say... There are two ideas of government. There are those who believe that if you just legislate to make the well-to-do prosperous, that their prosperity will leak through on those below. The democratic idea has been that if you legislate to make the masses prosperous, their prosperity will find its way up and through every class that rests upon it. Brian is essentially articulating the idea that we know today as trickle-down economics versus trickle-up economics. We have been talking about that idea for well over 100 and, what would it be, 130-plus years. The trickle-down economics really came to the modern consciousness in the 80s with President Ronald Reagan, but clearly it's not a new idea, and the debate over trickle-down versus trickle-up is not a new idea either. Brian continued and famously finished his speech, and this is the line that you may have heard before, but I'll read it here. Having behind us the commercial interests and the laboring interests and all the toiling masses, we shall answer their demands for a gold standard by saying to them, you shall not press down upon the brow of labor this crown of thorns. You shall not crucify mankind upon a cross of gold. That is the segment of this speech that I have heard so many times, and it's a compelling visual. It's such vivid imagery that is what Brian was known for, the boy orator of Nebraska. That's the language that got people so hyped for him, got him so in the mind of, of the public, why he was able to be the presidential nominee on the Democratic side for three times. He didn't win any of those times, but he was very brought out the emotions of the people. And so I wanted to pivot as we always talk about how does this correlate to national unity? The Cross of Gold speech was primarily focused on the debate over the gold standard and bimetallism. 
a way to think about that in modern times, aside from the concert ticket idea, is cryptocurrency. We have US dollars that you can purchase stuff with, but we also have Bitcoin that you can purchase stuff with. That's be another way to think about how Brian was bringing this message to the public. Brian was appealing to the struggles and the needs of the common people and emphasizing the importance of economic justice and fairness for all Americans, regardless of their social or economic status. By advocating for the free silver platform, Brian was seeking to address the economic disparities that were dividing the country, with the wealthy benefiting from the gold standard at the expense of the working class and the farmers. He was aiming to create a more inclusive and equitable monetary system that would help uplift the struggling majority and bridge the gap between the rich and the poor. His passionate rhetoric and his powerful imagery in the Cross of Gold speech called for a united America where the needs of all the citizens were considered and addressed. He envisioned a more equitable society and his fight against the economic system that favored only the rich, I think, can be seen as a call for unity and solidarity among Americans, which would transcend regional differences, transcend social differences, and it would transcend the economic divide that was happening at the time. While the gold standard debate might seem like a really narrow issue, it reflected a broader theme of fairness, inclusivity, and the pursuit of the American dream for all people. And in that way, I think it can be interpreted or it can be read as a call for American unity. I think that Brian himself said it that if you legislate, and again, I'll quote Brian, if you legislate to make the masses prosperous, their prosperity will find its way up and through every class that rests upon it. So in other words, if you, if we, rather as a country, aim to set our policy that makes it easier for all Americans to be successful, what we're going to do is we're going to create prosperity for them, but that's going to create prosperity for everybody. And like we've talked about before, our table's going to get bigger, and together we're going to have more. <laughs> we're going to have a better economy. We're going to have, we're just going to create more prosperity for everybody. And the old saying that a rising tide lifts all boats, good economic policy for the working class is going to be good economic policy for the country. With that, I appreciate you listening. And I will link his speech on the show notes. I would encourage you to read it if you're interested. Like I said, the cross of gold ending segment where Brian says, you shall not crucify mankind upon a cross of gold is such vivid in imagery that I've heard time and time again. It's just stuck with me. It's stuck with me for, for years at this point, and it inspired me to do this podcast. So I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you listening to this episode in particular. If you'd like to join the community, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram as the United We Stand podcast, or you can visit us on Patreon and show your support through a small monthly donation. We appreciate you coming back. We appreciate you listening. Feel free to share this. I'd love to have you share this vision of a united America with the people that you know in your network. And as always, I hope that you will continue standing for what helps make your community better, both your neighborhood, your city, your state, and our country, because together we're all going to be better if we work towards unity. Thank you very much. 